Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, we begin our fifth main week of the Being Challenge, and we discuss the habits, or we continue to discuss, I should say, the habits that help us in our relationship with God. What habits deepen your relationship or maintain it with God? What habits are you struggling with? See, so far we've discussed community, being in community with one another, being, having a community that helps us and supports us. We've discussed Scripture, reading Scripture, studying it, digesting it, memorizing it. We've discussed those things. Last week we talked about prioritizing prayer and the way that prayer offers us an opportunity to talk with God and listen to what He has to say to us. But since we've been talking about these habits, I have to ask, how's it going for you? Especially the prayer habit, how's that one going? Are you praying without ceasing yet? Are you? Are you praying even daily? It's an important question, isn't it? Maybe at mealtimes daily, but not otherwise. It's, it's, it's hard. These habits are hard, and, and I'm asking because I know from my own conversations with many of you, I come to you and I say, how's the being challenge going? Often I get some angst, clear discomfort from the person that I ask this question because, well, we're struggling with these habits. Maybe prayer is easy for you, but studying Scripture is not. Maybe community is the hard one. You're the introvert. You don't like people. <laughs> Many of you are struggling, and I know that I am too, with these daily habits. And even when I ask if I don't get angst, sometimes I just get like a really telling pause before someone says, I'm getting a lot out of this study. It's good for me, pastor. See, I know the way these habit conversations tend to work in our culture. You ask, how are you doing on your habit of exercise or that diet that you started? Or how are you doing on getting more sleep? And, and we know we're supposed to do it, right? But it's just hard. Daily habits are hard. And often in our culture, our response to a habit being hard is, well, just, just try harder. Do better. Why? Just do it. Find the motivation. Find the secret. Find the life hack that will change the way that you, you relate to these habits. You relate to your own behavior and just get it done, right? So much pressure to perform and achieve and do better. This is the reality that, that I experience. I don't know about you. And as we experience this reality, as we wrestle with the guilt of the reality that we, we tend not to do well at all of the habits that we want for ourselves or we think we're supposed to want for ourselves, we try to find those secrets, don't we? I mean, I got, a, I got an Apple Watch because of my desire to be better with my habits. I bought into the marketing bought into the hype. Man, this thing is going to make you more productive. It'll help you keep track of things. It'll help you be connected. It'll help you stay on top of your habits. You can, do, you can put reminders on here. 
And it's, it's been okay. It's been true in some ways. Yes, it has helped in some ways. But in other ways, it hasn't. Because all day long since I've gotten this Apple Watch, I've been made intimately aware of just how many notifications I get throughout the day. <laughs> I think we all know we get a lot of emails. We get a lot of notifications on our cell phone. But man, I, I am just bombarded all day long. Bzz, 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 bzz. And then I have to look. I have to know what just caused that many notifications all at once. And, and I pause, I interrupt my day, I look and I say, oh, it's, it's another worthless marketing email. And I try to go back to normal. See, a vibrating pocket on a cell phone, that's really easy to ignore. But a vibrating wrist, that's something else entirely. And you don't know it until you experience it. And when you've been interrupted, your train of thought has been derailed. The damage is done. The distraction has done its work. And you try to go back to whatever you were doing, but any focus you had, well, is now divided. So I realized this. I've started unsubscribing from those marketing emails. Maybe you've done the same, same process. I started turning off notifications on my phone that would help reduce the number of notifications that I get. This notification is, is good enough for my phone, but not enough for my wrist. This notification just doesn't deserve to disrupt my attention at all. And this has been good. I'm interrupted less. I'm worried less. I'm distracted less. Cutting down has really helped. And as an added bonus, getting a notification on the Apple Watch means I don't pick up my phone. <laughs> and I'm not tempted to be distracted in other ways. What's my point in all of this, this big tangent I've gone on? Well, it's that we all live, I believe, in a similarly bombarded reality. Notification after notification, and if you're lucky enough not to do the smartwatch and smartphone thing, you probably have experienced it in your email, or maybe Slack, or Teams, or Discord, or whatever you use for work. Your work is going, you're, you're flowing, you're getting things done, and then suddenly, hey, can we have a quick meeting? And now you're, you're derailed, it's gone, you're in trouble. Or if you're lucky enough to avoid all of that, say you're retired, you never picked up a smartphone in your life, even then, you probably know what it's like to be bombarded just driving down the road with radio ads, billboards, roadside signs, ads on the sides of semis and ads on the sides of vans and ads on the sides of cars, all vying for your attention all at the same time. You know it's there, even if it's just looking at the people around you and seeing them constantly picking up their phones. And you're sitting there saying, man, I'm glad that's not me. See, reducing our notifications, reducing our distractions, I'm afraid in this world doesn't just magically help us get away. Because all around us is the world. All around us is the world trying to invade, capture our attention, 
and sell us something. Whether it's an idea, a political belief, or a product, they want to sell it to us. And in the midst of it all, we have this nagging pressure to perform, to achieve, to do better, to be the best version of ourselves, to be be the best that we can be, to fill our days with things that are valuable and meaningful, and we want that. And that's why today we talk about solitude. Solitude, getting away from the world and its distractions, getting away from the pressure to perform and to be the best and to do the best. We all need this. And if if you're not reading along in the book, let me be really clear. Let me pause for a moment. Or maybe I should say if you're behind in the book and you haven't caught up with the last two or three days. Solitude isn't just alone time, at least as we're talking about, about it today. Solitude is time away from the world. And as we saw in our gospel reading, it's time with God. Whether that's time in prayer or time in scripture reading, it's time away from the world and time with God. Me time is good. Me time is necessary. We all should have it. But if all of our solitude is me time, we're missing what solitude, as we're discussing it in the being challenge, has to offer. Because it is so different from every other thing we do. And it is so good. Unfortunately, I don't think many of us value it. Maybe you've sat this entire time nodding along, Pastor. This, maybe solitude is nice for you, but it doesn't sound good for me. Why would I want solitude? I'm busy. I don't have time for time away from everything else that's going on. Solitude's not for me. Well, if that's you, let me talk about my Apple Watch a little more. I really want to talk about my Apple Watch a little more. See, I was frequently reminded in the lead-up to me buying one of these that I, can, that I can get it for free. Asterisk. I can get an Apple Watch for free. It's a really nice perk of being a pastor and having a pastor's insurance, in case you've ever wondered why all three of your pastors are wearing one. Yeah, it's free. Asterisk. Now, many things in life that you receive for free, you can treat like they're free. You get it. If you don't like it, easy come, easy go. Send it to Goodwill. Pass it along. Maybe re-gift it to somebody. But not everything that's free can be treated like it's free. Because you can take many things for granted when they're free, but, but there's a reason we just celebrated Veterans Day this past Friday, right? Because even though freedom is free, freedom is not free. The liberties and the, the blessings we enjoy in this country are not free, and they've been paid for with the price. And that price was the blood and sweat and tears of many individuals over the course of this country. And while it doesn't even begin to compare, the free Apple Watch likewise isn't really free because you have to earn it. See, the, the way the insurance company has it set up, if, if, if I get this Apple Watch, I'm committing myself to two years of exercise. 
I have to exercise a minimum amount each month as detected by the Apple Watch itself, or I pay for it each month that I don't do the exercise. And, and if I do that exercise all of those months, the Apple Watch is totally free, easy come, easy go, or maybe. But if I don't, I pay for it. Now, when you're talking about developing habits, this is a great idea. If a habit's hard, make the habit have consequences. Find a way to force yourself to do it. And so, because I know myself, I know exercising is not something that I naturally do every single day. It's something that I can very easily say, nah, not today, I'll do it later. I'm going to force myself to do it, so I bought an Apple Watch so that exercise or failure to exercise has consequences. Necessary habits, the ones with consequences, are easy. For example, if I don't brush my teeth, I'll get a cavity. If I don't regularly clean my kitchen, I won't have time to cook or eat. If I don't clear the floor of obstructions, the Roomba will not run or it'll make even more of a mess. I can do those, necessary, clear consequences, but the optional ones, the ones I can weasel out of, those are hard. There's a reason the, the floor is regularly clean in my house, but the countertops tend to get messier until somebody comes over and I have to clean them. The Roomba makes me clean the floor, but it doesn't make me clean the countertops. And, and likewise, if I don't exercise today, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, won't I? If I don't read my Bible today, that's okay because, well, I don't get something out of it every time anyway. I'll just make up for it tomorrow. If I don't pray today, well, I'm still loved by God, aren't I? If I don't, if I don't take my time to pray, that's okay. God is still going to fulfill my needs and give me everything I need and make sure that I have what is necessary for this body and life and more. It's true. He freely gives us all of those things, doesn't He? And maybe you can relate to some of those sentiments, whether it's with these being challenge habits or the more worldly ones that I was just discussing moments ago. But even though sin has often very clear consequences, Sin brings with it realities which we recognize that are going to be destructive to us and to others. The crazy thing is we still do sin, don't we? As Paul will say in Romans, as we read just a couple weeks ago in the Romans study, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Sin might have clear consequences, but we still do it for some reason. We still struggle with those sin habits. And yet we receive righteousness for free, don't we? Righteousness is a gift. It's a gift of God. It's free, asterisk. Do we treat that gift too lightly? The gift of righteousness, easy come, easy go. It comes to us on, on a silver platter. You didn't have to do a thing to earn it so you can... You can stomp on it, you can throw it out the window, toss it aside whenever it's inconvenient and you'll want to sin again. You can do whatever you want, treat it as, as if it's not a big deal at all. 
Well, just like Veterans Day, just like the Apple Watch. No, there's an asterisk. There's, there, there's a catch. Somebody had to pay for our sin, and that somebody was Jesus. And if we treat our sin like it's no big deal, treat these habits like they're no big deal, we treat the grace of God like it's no big deal at all. These habits are not for me. I I just don't have time for them, Pastor. Prayer, I'm just not going to worry about that one. It doesn't fit into my personality. Scripture reading, ah, it's probably not all that important. I'll just get it on Sunday mornings at church. Do we treat the grace of God too lightly? And and the amazing thing is, I, I... I feel like I shouldn't be saying any of this to encourage you toward any guilt at all because, well, the point of Jesus' grace, the point of Jesus dying on the cross to pay the price of our sin is to give us a relationship with God, a conscience before God which is freed from sin, freed from guilt. Isn't it? So let's talk about habits again, because I think our anxiety before these habits is real. Our angst, our struggle is real. I know these past 30 days of this challenge, I have been more stressed than normal, not simply because I'm putting an additional burden on myself, but because I am failing at that burden that I have placed on myself in this challenge. Time and time again, I'm not fulfilling it all. I'm not doing it all. I'm not reaching it all. So today, as we talk about solitude, as we talk about our habits, whether it's prayer or scripture or community or church, I'm I'm going to say something that I, I think is totally contrary to a lot of the way it's presented in the book, but bear with me. Let's try less hard. And when we're talking about habits, let's aim for a habit that doesn't push. Let's aim for a habit that's not about striving. Let's aim for a habit that's not about pressure and tension and doing more and being better and fitting more in and cramming more into our busy schedules and crazy lives and distracted world. But let's choose a habit that tells us to rest and to relax, to pause from all of that other stuff, and let's set aside the Apple Watches, set aside the cell phones, close the laptops, turn off the iPads and the TVs and the radios, and go somewhere where the billboards will not see us and the webcams will not see us, and Alexa will not hear us and be alone with God. But not alone, because He'll be there to give us something that these things cannot, peace. salvation, and life. 
See, this solitude habit is not a daily habit, at least not as it's presented originally. Solitude daily is good, but as it's presented in Scripture originally, what's its original form? It's the Sabbath, once a week. You can't all day long be away with God. That it doesn't work. No, rather, you go into the world, as Lutherans have for centuries, you go into the world, and then you come back to be with God. And then you go into the world, and you come back to be with God. Why? Because you are bringing the gifts of God out into the world, and then you're going back to be with God to receive those gifts for yourself again. We need these things. Look, for me, all of the habits we've talked about so far in the Being Challenge, I'd rather have one good hour, solid hour a week of studying the Scriptures, prayer, solitude, than I would have 10 minutes a day each week. If you're failing at the daily habit, ask yourself, is there an hour in the week that I can achieve this habit? Or two half hours? Because when you take the hour rather than 10 minutes each day, you might get less time, but you get quality time. You get focus and the opportunity to go deep. Not all habits have to be daily. And though some habits should be, like prayer, in fact, prayer should be without ceasing, as we said, it's okay if you find a time in your schedule where solitude will work. In fact, I would encourage you to find a time when this solitude will be easy. Maybe your time alone with God is your commute to work, and you just know it's going to be half an hour on my trip there, and it's going to be half an hour on my way back. That's, that's a lot of time each day to be alone by myself with God. Maybe your solitude time is, is every day before the kids wake up. Maybe it's when the kids go to sleep. Maybe you can't do that every day, but you know you can do it once a week for an hour, and every other day you're going to exercise. Whatever your solitude is, your Sabbath, your rest with God is, know that if Jesus needed it, you probably do too. He gives us this model for our sake, for our good, for our blessing. And so this week, spend some time alone with God. And as you do, I pray that there you find the very peace of God which passes all understanding, which will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.